Okay, everyone, it is 2017 and welcome to the Owning Her Health podcast. I am your host, Dr. Lisa Holland, and we are now in our winter season. So today, our nice, wonderful sponsorship is coming from Paul Goff's wonderful new business school academy. He is rocking it out with his business growth school, a six week masterclass training series that will turn your business from daily grind into a more profitable asset that is a pleasure to own and run. So check that out in our links on the interview page. And today we are welcoming Julie Granger Jesse. Dr. Granger is an integrative physical therapist, much like myself in women's health world, but she's working with a young female athlete, which is such, such a neglected population, such a gap in the health care field. She was a competitive swimmer at Duke, then went on to physical therapy school at Emory, uh, got herself a wonderful bunch of credentials and doing things. She's now working in her specialty with a Pilates emphasis, doing a mind-body-spirit approach. But her biggest challenge in health uh, with, with cancer really is what set her up to now being the owner of PRISM, PRISM Wellness center down in Atlanta. So her story is unique and amazing and definitely warrior goddess. And I'd love for you to join us in owning her health right now. Welcome to this episode of Owning Her Health with your host, Dr. Lisa Holland, PT. Join Lisa as she starts the conversation on what it really takes to become a healthy, wealthy, and whole CEO of your life. Listen in to real talk by real lady leaders in all walks of life as they open up on personal health stories, wealth, career, and feminine abundant living. Learn how to grow by owning your body, expanding your mind, and aligning your soul with the purpose only you can pursue in this world. Happiness begins with owning her health right now. Hello, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Owning Her Health. Today, I am really, really excited to have a fellow um, warrior goddess of the Women's Health Tribe. As you know, I have a lot of them um, in my circle, but this one's really, really special. I think she embodies the essence of the the maiden the strong maiden and moving into that mothering vibe of like creating her own thing through her own story and I'm just really really blessed to know her professionally in my circles and and personally and I welcome Dr. Julie Granger Jesse to the show welcome, Thank welcome, you. welcome. how are you today I'm doing great just I just came in from a massage actually so I'm very nice in the right zen mindset very good and that is so important that you know that self-care and everything Mm -hmm. so Julie basically is your Pilates teacher instructor you are an adolescent and sports medicine um specialist especially with the young female athlete the young young women which I think is awesome working with women's health there's just such a gap there um you are a former competitive athlete all the way through. I think you still compete to some extent in maybe a softer variety. Went to Duke. Much uh, softer. To, yeah, yeah. And went to um, Emory for your physical, your licensed physical therapist, doctor of physical therapy. Um, you teach with uh, Jessica Drummond over there at um, Integrated Women's Health Institute. You are an advocate. Oh, and by the way, you kicked cancer's butt in two. I did. So, I did. You know, tell us a little bit about you know your side of your story, who you are, and what you're doing now. 
Okay. Well, I, um, well, I'll start with the professional stuff because mm -hmm. that's to me a lot more straightforward than the personal <laughs> stuff as it always is. Yeah, um, it's always hard finding that we have that other thing besides our title and those letters after. Oh, so true. <laughs> um, although I have, as you said, I've let the personal stuff really shape my professional life. So I'll tell the professional, yeah. go to the personal and then we'll come back to the professional. Um, so I graduated from Duke um, University and I majored in child and adolescent um, developmental psychology. I'm just fascinated mm -hmm. with why people in general do the things they do the way they do and how they do it. Um, I was always, always really interested in that. And I started out as a science major and I hated it. It was, it didn't do anything for me in terms of people. I know, right? <laughs> um, and I took a psychology class and I was like, oh, this is great. This is so perfect. I knew I wanted to do healthcare and um, I thought I was going to do med school, but I didn't want to put in all the years of life in doing that. Organic so. chem. I hated that class. I said, uh, you know, I loved organic chem, but I, I, I'm a math and I am a math and science person. So I loved all the problems of it. But anyway, um, so I took um, psychology. I really loved it. And I realized there was a way that I could learn more about children. Um, and so that was the first time I really tapped into kids um, from an education standpoint. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, I was swimming uh, competitively on the Duke varsity women's uh, swim and dive team mm. and had my first big sort of life-changing injury there. Um, so I guess this is kind of a personal slash professional uh, explanation. It's hard not to be, especially know, when right? you're living authentically and you're... Exactly. You know. um, so I had surgery and that kind of solidified my path into physical therapy, just having done a lot of physical therapy. And uh, I worked with the athletic trainers in the athletic department um, as part of my rehab and really loved it. And that's exactly what I thought I wanted to do when I graduated from college was I wanted to do sports medicine, working with high level athletes, uh, specifically collegiate and professional athletes. So when I got into grad school at Emory, I was dead set on that. It, that was, there was no bending or breaking that path for me, um, which honestly was very helpful in terms of where I directed my energy. Um, because as you know, in PT school, there's about 20,000 different paths you could go and they're all really exciting and really rewarding. But it, the only thing that kept me going was sports and sports medicine and orthopedics because mm. um, I could just relate so well to it. Right. And then I learned about women's health and I was like, huh, you know, I'm, I'm a female athlete and there's all of these things that I um, experienced myself. Fortunately, I never really experienced a lot of the things that happen to female athletes like female athlete triad. Mm. However, I definitely experienced things um, that fall along the lines of the new term we use called relative energy deficiency in sport, um, which is like a bigger, broader term of the female athlete triad. And um, so I, I took a course when I was in my, I think, second year of PT school on that at um, the combined sections meeting of the APTA. And I was like, huh, I really want to learn more about women's health. Um, and so I decided I wanted to somehow merge my passion with sports medicine and women's health um, for sure. So I knew I wanted to work with female athletes specifically. So I started to narrow it down. And then I had the opportunity to do Pilates training while I was in physical therapy school. So I did that for a year, got comprehensively certified. Um, and so then once I graduated, I was like, okay, I want to do sports, female athletes, and Pilates. So I <laughs> 
bring in mind, the mind-body right. approach to, right. um, to movement and just whole body health, um, which is one of the Pilates principles. And so getting a job uh, to sort of reconcile all those things is really hard as a new graduate with no experience. Right. Um, so I started working at Children's Healthcare of Atlanta um, here in Atlanta, which is our big children's hospital system. And they had a uh, sports medicine program specifically targeting young athletes. I'd done one of my internships there and I did anything it took to get a job there. Um, and sure enough, got a job and it was an amazing experience. Every day I looked around, I took a moment to be present and looked around and noticed, you know what? Every single patient in here is under 21 motivated, athletic, active. Um, and it was just great. And some of the patients I did the best with were the patients that were, um, had a lot of complex things going on and were girls. Mm. Uh, Cause I, I could obviously relate to right, girls. Really. I really loved middle schoolers. Um, for some reason, just the psychology of middle school and the Oh, the drama and everything. There's so much. There's so much energy there. So fun. And they're at that crossroads between childhood where they're yeah. still really dependent on adults and adolescence where they're like, they want nothing to do with adults and they just want to be independent, um, which I, I, that's so fascinating to me. It's again, the psychology of it is just great. And um, it went back to when I was in college, the thing I wrote my thesis on senior year was um, aggression like passive aggressiveness in girls in, in mm -hmm. adolescent girls and mm -hmm. so seeing how girls were developing um professionally in the physical therapy setting was just so much fun for me and developing relationships with them was so important to me so after that i went into a private practice um to really sharpen a lot of my skills in um women's health and pilates and manual therapy um just about everything pertaining to the pelvic floor um, and I really, really started to set my identity as the youth sports specialist at that point. Nice. Um, and that went really well. Um, ultimately, I kind of outgrew that setting and working for someone else because there were a lot of really high demands on us to do our own marketing. And, um, you know, we didn't have a high caseload, which was really nice, but it just, the, the rewards were not outweighing all of the, right. if you're going to do all that, might as work. well have your own thing. That's exactly <laughs> it. Um, and in the meantime, from a personal perspective, I had, um, along this track, as you can probably, people who are listening now can probably hear, there's a lot of striving and perfectionism mm -hmm. and I've got to do this and I have to do it the way that people say I do. And, um, that eventually caught up to me. Um, yeah. So as it always know, will, it always will. will. And it caught up to me physically, uh, physical, physiologically. Mm -hmm. um, so the first thing that happened to me was about two and a half years ago, I started to just, I didn't feel right all the time. It was summer of 2014. Um, mm -hmm. I, I just, I was very anxious. There were a lot of changes going on in the business I was working at, lots mm -hmm. of turnover with employees, my coworkers, and the environment just wasn't very positive. And mind you, I had become really married to my professional identity at that point. Um, so it was really difficult for me to be in a work environment where a lot of changes were happening. Right. Um, not always for the better. So I, um, started to develop what I now know is a lot of anxiety um, and all of the physiological things that come along with that. Um, yes. A lot of worry, a lot of just 
can't sleep, can't eat, weight loss. My menstrual cycles were actually completely all over the map, not regulated. Um, and so really I was, I was developing, um, again, more like relative energy deficiency types of things, not necessarily in sport, but professional yeah, I life. Think, well, I think life has become this sport now. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly <laughs> it. This, this sport that no one's really trained for and right. are thrown into various competitions, sometimes just in their head. That's right. So, you know, I was no longer competing um, in swimming. So my sport became my job um, in my professional life. And so I'd taken, I mean, I'd taken probably hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of doing education and all of this stuff. And I wanted to be the best and, you know, the youth sports specialist. Right. And I was, right. <laughs> I definitely succeeded at all of those things at the expense of my health. Um, and then I actually went to take a really great course on the female athlete in the pelvic floor um, in August of 2014. And I, Within the course, I couldn't focus. I couldn't pay attention. Um, I remember we were working on integrating the diaphragm and the pelvic floor together um, in lab. I couldn't do it. I couldn't breathe. So I would have keep having to leave the course and just go sit in the bathroom in quiet and just breathe because I, I was like, I don't know what's going on, but I just don't feel right. On the plane ride home from the course, um, I had what I now know was a very mini panic attack. I, I felt just like the plane walls were closing in on me. I had to get off the plane. Um, and I got home. I burst into tears on the couch in a puddle with my husband. And I was like, something is not right. Right. I, yeah. I'm having panic attacks. And so I scheduled with my doctor the next day um, as soon as I could. And I walked in and I said, I have terrible anxiety and I need to treat it. And, you know, normally I'm not a big med medicine person, mm -hmm. but I knew it was so out of control at this person. I needed to take something at right. this point I needed to take something. Um, so I started an antidepressant and I, um, the next day, probably a side effect of starting the antidepressant plus having been so anxious um, for so long, I um, had a really massive panic attack that landed me in the ER. Um, and, you know, we thought I was having a heart attack. I thought I was dying. I couldn't of breathe. Course. And yeah. the hangover from that, I recovered. The hangover from that, um, I learned that Xanax was my best friend at the time. Um, and I couldn't work for about a week. I just, I didn't work. I I was like hanging out with my parents. Um, I needed someone to take care of me. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I kind of went back to that very childlike, just struggle. And, you know, the, the nice thing about me is that I, I'm, I'm okay with, well, I was not okay with vulnerability, but at that point I knew I was at rock bottom and I really mm -hmm. needed to embrace vulnerability and, um, I'm okay with it now, but at the time I wasn't. And so I called my friend, um, Dr. Sean Haywood, who is a life coach um, and psychologist. And so I was like, you got to help me. <laughs> like, this is not okay. I'm, I'm taking medic medicine, but clearly I need more. And so it was really that point that she got to talking to me and in our first call. So she does everything online um, like this. Mm -hmm. And in our first call, she said, hey, would you ever consider being a business owner? like your own boss. And I was like, Oh, absolutely not. I don't want to do that. <laughs> I can't take that on right now. Are you kidding me? Exactly. <laughs> and you know, I saw what, um, the people that I worked for were going through right. from a stress perspective. And I was like, why would I ever want right. to do that? That was the only role model I had seen in, right. in private practice. Um, and so I said, no, absolutely not. And she said, okay, okay, fine. <laughs> 
you know, and later on, she told me that she knew I was going to come around to that, just given my personality. Yeah, she saw your light. That's right. Um, which is why she's so awesome. Um, and, um, so we did a lot of work together. I worked with her weekly for about a year. Um, and just, I learned how to shed the perfectionism. I learned how to just completely reinvent myself, um, let go of the shoulds, let go of, um, all of the have tos and, honestly figure out who I was. I, I don't mm-hmm. think I ever knew. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think I knew and when I want to have inklings of it, it would scare me away. Mm-hmm. Um, I ran away from it. And I really started to own my, what I, it's my hashtag kid at heart. Um, yeah. And that goes really well with working with kids. Of course. And sure. I absolutely want to be the youth sports person, but I'm cool sharing that with other people and not having to do it all. Right. And, so you can go on vacation for a week or month if you need to. Let somebody else do that blog. Exactly. I'm going for a month. (laughs) In a month from now. I'm so excited. There you go. Exciting. So um, it took me, let's see, that took me through another year. And then um, about a year with her. And then just about, literally about um, eight months later, I started to get really sick. So even though I'd really worked on the self-growth and thought I was a brand new person, uh, and I was, um, I, uh, it still caught up to my body. Um, so this was brewing underneath. I didn't realize it. Um, I started running fevers. I had night sweats all the time. I, uh, was soaking my sheets so much. I'd have to change the sheets in the middle of the night. And eventually that was not sustainable. So I was sleeping on beach towels. Um, it was ridiculous. Wow. I lost, um, 15 to 20 pounds. Wow. You're not a big person. So I can imagine. Not a big person. (laughs) No, really not. Um, and no matter what I did, I couldn't get weight on. I was like eating bacon at every meal and butter and lots of things, um, protein powders. I was seeing a doctor for it. We were doing everything we could and it just, I couldn't. And, um, we were testing the inflammation in my body. So I was seeing a functional medicine doctor and doing all of these tests and, I was off the charts in, in bad news land for everything. Um, and we thought, you know, I, I had a candida infection in my esophagus. So I definitely had that. I'd been mm-hmm. diagnosed by a um, GI doctor. And so we were treating that. So we thought all of my body was just, you know, kind of, this was the end result of all the stress I'd been under and all the anxiety and um, the candida. I was just so stressed out. My body was susceptible to infection. And so we thought the fevers were a result of that. Well, it turned out that wasn't true. Um, and I um, ended up having a tumor um, mm-hmm. the size of a grapefruit in the right upper lobe of my, um, or the upper lobe of my right lung. And just to make the story even more interesting, I um, have known about this mass in my lung since at least high school, if not before. Wow. Uh, um, I had a really mysterious illness when I was in kindergarten, um, mimicked the exact same symptoms I was having, the night sweats, the fevers, wow, the unexplainable illness. Um, and eventually it got better. And it turned out um, I ended up fainting and ended, I landed in the hospital um, due to severe anemia. So cancer can cause really bad anemia. Yeah. And after seeing several specialists who still didn't know what was wrong with me, thought the mass was benign, had so many tests that showed it was benign, um, a woman came in, Dr. Uh, Gina D'Amato, who's a hematologist, to check out my anemia 
Well, guess what? She's also an oncologist and she happens to specialize in a very rare form of sarcoma called inflammatory. Well, she specializes in sarcoma and she learned looking at my biopsy that it was not actually benign, that it was a very rare form of sarcoma called inflammatory myofibroblastic tumor. Um, so I went another saga and you know, right. bringing up a, a really big point, which, you know, I work, I work very holistically as well. And that's something we see, you know, people do detox and they can understand when doing a physical detox, all this literal crap <laughs> coming right. out of them, coming out of their pores, this and that. And I tell people, you know, when you have illness um, at so many levels, that, you know, you're bringing up, you know, sometimes you're going to go through that emotional detox. You're going to get, you see some physical signs. I think you always end up, by the time it comes to the physical, to the shell, it's, if it's coming from inside, it's, it's a lot of layers. And there's some, that detox is the emotional detox. And then there's another surge sometimes of now we're deeper to where I held that. And you're talking about maybe holding something since five years old. Yep. In your physical body that, you know, you were able, and also the power that you were able to kind of keep something at bay mm -hmm. for years. It's, yeah. it's, it's quite empowering, but I can imagine very scary now going into this cancer story, exactly. to, you know, 2015, 16. And don't let me forget, I have a comment on the fourth chakra um, okay. in terms of the tumor. I have a really good enlightenment awesome. that I had behind that. Um, but yeah, so um, she diagnosed me and we were going to have, sur I was going to have a huge surgery to take the tumor out. We knew it was there. We knew we needed to take it out. We didn't know what it was. Um, I was supposed to have it two weeks after she diagnosed me and that was the plan, but I was so anemic. So we were trying to figure out how to get the anemia under control. And we did, we did some blood transfusions to do that. Um, and she Fortunately, she'd sent my tumor sample off to get genetic testing, and it tested positive for a mutation called ALK1, um, ALK positive. Um, and basically, uh, this meant that it was susceptible potentially to a very special type of oral or pill okay. chemotherapy. Oh. Um, and so we scrubbed the surgery plan. I did the chemotherapy. Within 24 hours of taking the first pill, I, the fever stopped. The night sweat stopped. Um, and I started to put on weight. Um, so it was fantastic. And um, in the meantime, I'd gone on uh, disability leave about a, a month or so prior to all of the diagnosis and beginning treatment mm -hmm. for my job because I was so weak, I literally couldn't do my job anymore. Sure. Now looking back, with all due respect to my old job and owners and all that kind of stuff, that was a blessing that um, the illness happened when it did because I was at the end of my rope and I needed to get out of that job. Yeah. Um, and um, it was fantastic. So I um, ended up staying on disability leave for quite some time. And in the, at the time, you know, it's, it, there's this little flicker of an idea in my mind as I was going through the chemo and healing that, you know, I don't think I want to go back to that job. Um, and it took me a while to really um, believe it and own it, but it was still flickering and kind of whispering at me. And finally, um, there was one day I just was like, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going back. Um, and so I resigned. I resigned from the job with no idea of what I was going to do next. I just knew I had to get out. Um, I had a couple fallbacks, and so now I work at the children's hospital again, but in the inpatient setting, specifically hoping to work with kids with cancer um, nice. and several other kids with CF, so lung, lung conditions. Um, but um, And then, you know, I was having a conversation with a friend about um, – 
pricing. Honestly, we we're talking about pricing and what I, if I wanted to see some physical therapy clients at right. some point, what I could price it out at. And I, I realized how few clients I actually needed to see if I was the one getting all the money, you know, the money uh, right. once I covered overhead in order to make a living. And I was like, Oh my God, why wouldn't I do that? Right. And uh, how much less energy when yes. you just can do it in a very, um, you know, uh, non-dogmatic kind of, you know, like uh, these jobs, these careers, uh, you know, I think any professional career there, it comes with this dogma, yeah. this process and this, you know, like you said, you know, not professionalism or what's professionalism. And that's, that's a matter right. of your opinion. I mean, how you carry it and, you know, uh, someone that can own you know, what I'm hearing is like that, that like the title of my podcast, owning her health mm -hmm. um, with what you've gone through. There's going to be wealth in that. There's wealth. It's the first nest of our, of our wealth is our health. That's right. So, you know, getting to the point and, you know, sometimes we need to, um, uh, I know my kind of catalyst was listening to Oprah talk to somebody back in 2000, I don't know, early 2000, she said, you know, sometimes we get hit with, you know, the whispers, the angel whisper, and then, you know, and they throw a brick mm -hmm. <laughs> and they might have to knock us out sometimes because we're stubborn. Yes. And we call that our samskaras or kind of habitual sort of patterns of what we think. And we get a lot of that when you're going um, uh, into a profession into especially medical profession, a healthcare profession, you know, any of these bigger leveled service, you know, where they hold this hierarchy kind of in our society. So I applaud you on that. But, you know, so now you have a blog. I know your blog's really great. You're doing, I know you made a publication now with young women. Tell me a little bit of sort of how the story and your, so you got through that. And, and I, and I love that you shared all that on your blog. Please, everyone listening, kind of go back and look at her journey a little bit. But um, where are you now in 2017? How is it blossoming? How are all those roots now? blossoming for you professionally so I um, started my own business called it, the long name is performance rehabilitation and integrative sports medicine um, actually short thereafter um, figuring out that it was time to do my own thing and I just started seeing people in my house um, yeah, doesn't have to be big and old fancy and you don't need that 1400 square foot facility no. with all the best stuff you need to just be the best yes exactly <laughs> and, and what you are perfect for me because my commute is non-existent exactly <laughs> um and people seem seem to really like the intimate setting of it and every patient says to me you're just so mellow and calm and every time i'm like thank you oh, i've, I've done so much to get here <laughs> um so um so i have the clinical side of things which i do very part-time um and then I've started an online business that I'm hoping to add. I'm doing the women's health coaching um, nice. so with Jessica Drummond this year. I'm specifically hoping to target girls because, um, yeah. as you said, it's such a gap. Um, and, and women as well. I do see uh, grown-ups. Well, you have to see their moms. You have to see moms. You've got to see their moms with them because that's how it makes it work in the household. They that's exactly it. Up. You cannot change a kid unless you look at the family. Um, mm -hmm. And then I just, um, I'm finalizing, putting the finishing touches uh, this week and next week on my first ebook um, oh. called The Young Female Athletes Playbook. Um, and it's all about holistic wellness, integrative health, sports medicine, 
for the young girl. So back when I was in college and grad school, all those things I wanted to reconcile and put together, I finally put it on paper uh, or electronic paper. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Nowadays. Um, And I'm really excited about it. It's actually been, it's truly been a labor of love to write this book, but it's also been a really creative outlet for me. I'm very creative. I'm very right-brained. I didn't used to be, but I am. Um, I learned that maybe you always were and it was well I always was I've always loved (laughs) art but I never did it especially during all of this college and of course it doesn't seem like that's the logical you know after that um, yeah you you sound like you're you're like me where you know I I honestly feel like I've always been the artist Mm -hmm. and I came down here with this you know I came here with this sort of you know mission to to be able to speak to the scientists and so I need to speak their language yes at heart I've been, um, you know, the artist, and this might be a good place. What's your fourth chakra, your heart story? Um, <laughs> so I, along my cancer treatment journey, which also included, I had um, two massive surgeries. And yeah, all, a lot of stuff. Lots of recovery. You're uh, the biotic, la- biotic lady now. It's true. <laughs> um, but I'm disease-free now, so yeah. we're good. Um, that's the end of the story there, but... Um, I had to get, of all things, an IUD put in because mm. I did not have children for mm-hmm. cancer. And so I, I see a holistic gynecologist already, and she sent me to a, sur- a holistic gynecology surgeon to have the IUD put in. And this woman was listening to my story. I was still undergoing treatment at the time, and she goes, you know, have, are you familiar with the chakras? And, like, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I've read a few books, you know, in, in my whole healing journey. Oh, I got to find this OBGYN. You got to tell me afterwards. Oh, there's like a ton in Atlanta. Yeah, um, I love that. And um, she uh, recommended I read Carolyn Miss's book, Anatomy of the Spirit. Yeah. And I did, and it's great, but also, like, you have to almost be a healthcare provider to understand it. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's an amazing book, but... Um, it's I, for the provider to then transcribe right. for their... Through their work, really. And she said, I think you have some fourth chakra issues going on. And I was like, oh, I think you're right. (laughs) And she said, and I read about how, you know, disease can be manifested as um, an emotional underpinning of something that might have happened, not even in my lifetime, but in my ancestors' lifetime, Mm -hmm. along my genetic path. Um, And there's definitely been some issues in my family. My dad's adopted. Um, We've had some substance abuse issues, um, emotional abuse, um, things like that that I grew up with. And, um, you know, and also the fourth chakra includes the shoulders. I've had lots of shoulder problems. I've had a shoulder at college and shouldering burden. So I'm, I was the younger sister. I was always sort of the mediator and the one who was like, Oh, it's fine. You know, I'm the second born. It's like middle child syndrome. It's like (laughs) keeping the peace at home all the time and with friends and all those types of things. So constantly shouldering burdens. So when, when I read that part, I was like, yep, that's me. Connected with your truths. Yeah. Um, And so to me healing that, that portion, which I'd already been working on, actually, I think, made healing from cancer very smooth. And, you know, everyone wonder, asks me if I was scared um, being di- diagnosed with cancer. No, like never, never. Wow. I was only fearful going into a huge surgery and right. they said I might not survive. That was a little scary. Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, a lot scary. Um, lots of crying happened. But, um, but, um, Having done all a lot of fourth chakra healing, going into diagnosis and subsequent treatment, it was like 
hearing that I was diagnosed was the weight was literally lifted off my shoulders. It was like, I'd known so deeply that something had been going on. It was so relieving to be told this is at the root of it. Um, and, and very affirming. And, you know, it, the tumor itself was also pressing on my vagus nerve. Um, and the vagus nerve regulates heart rate and organs. Yeah, there's all that anxiety, right? All those messages. Yes. So I also have a genetic underpinning that, you know, um, a methylation problem that leads to serotonin issues and anxiety. But, um, but I, you know, I do think that my specific symptom in my panic attack of having a heart attack was because of that um, and because of the deeper emotional issues that might have led to the and that's so interesting I don't know if you're you do any work with visceral manipulation but um, you know with Boral and you know this this particular book is one yes. work a lot you know um, I don't know if you guys could see it straight if you're in the video but understanding the messages of your body and um, you know we all those layers and of course my work with yoga therapy with all the chakra and the energy work and then just really just understanding you know the scientific side i i love that you know this isn't just poppycock kind of like whatever talk we have epigenetics and we have epigenetic studies and we have we have you know the fact that you know quantum physics and and the scientific world you know they they say we're all energy here you know, literally, yes. so, so bringing that abstraction, I think it's going to take the artists. It does. It's going to take the artists to be able to oh, paint a bridge for a lot of, because that's the one thing, you know, art, uh, music being one of those things, dance being one, these are things that can connect cultures, ages, genders, uh, socioeconomic classes. And I think, you know, there's this group of, of, of lady biz leaders here that can really grab. Um, and that's part of us as women, you know, that's our flow. That's our, that's our, that's our savvy, but grabbing that, you know, mm -hmm. taking the masculine aspect as our um, secondary device. Yes. Um, is, is so wonderful because it does, it works where you can, you see fear. You know, I guess maybe that's why I went into yoga because it was biased towards that as a yeah. stream, you know, <laughs> but you know, it, you know, hearing your story is really, really inspiring. And, and, um, so where can we find you? Where, where, where's the best place to find you and your message and, and where you're going nowadays, Julie? Okay. So the two best places to find me, I am a millennial, so you will find me on social media. Um, it are, um, my business is prison wellness center. So that long name, I purposefully made it prison. Creativity. Creative. All of the light reflecting <laughs> and energy and all the different matrices Beautiful. of it. Um, that came to me in the shower, actually. Um, of course, water. Always does. Um, <laughs> I've got to shower a lot to get ideas. Um, anyway, so my business is Prison Wellness Center. Um, and you can look me up on Facebook. It's at Prison Wellness Center. And Instagram, it's the same handle, at Prison Wellness Beautiful. Center. Um, I have like a themed daily post on Instagram, um, which really, I think, captures my authenticity. We have Monday motivation, Tuesday testimonials, Wednesday, Wednesday, because I still work with a lot of swimmers. Thursday teen tricks. Uh, I do a Facebook live every Thursday, or at least I'm trying. It, it may not happen. It, some weeks, who knows? Um, it's and of imperfection. <laughs> As a lady biz leader, though, honestly, yeah. like we just don't, we, we have analysis paralysis sometimes and you just got to go out and be imperfect. Gotta do it. Uh, because that's oh, yeah. perfect. Yeah. 
<laughs> and you know, I, I think people, as you've said, people really like that real authenticity. And, you know, I, I uh, exactly had that analysis paralysis in Facebook Live. And then I went to the, I spoke at Women and Women's Health Conference in New York and everyone was preaching Facebook Live. And I was like, why have I not tried this? <laughs> and honestly, I just literally one day pulled out my phone and started talking about my ebook. Um, and then the next week I just pulled out my phone and started talking about growth plates and started telling, I'm such a storyteller again, that artist and the creative mind. When I work with patients, I throw, I have so many metaphors for explaining health dysfunction. I just started telling the story of growth plates and the metaphor way I do it for kids and parents. And so um, I, I looked like I just, I think I just got out of the pool actually. And <laughs> I kept messing it up. It's great because right. it, I mean, it, it lets people know. And that's one of my real missions going into 2017 and with this and a YouTube channel I'm, I'm doing. It's letting them know there's not even as amazing as, as the story is that we've heard here and all the things you're doing or anything I'm doing or some of our friends are doing the book, the this, the that there really is not this huge gap between them and that person. And that's what I want so many women to see that there it's the mirror. They mm-hmm. have, there's an aspect of if you're attracted to something or if you're really you know, scared of something, it's because you're seeing this reflection and yes. such power in sort of looking in the mirror instead of turning it away and, and going there. So I thank you so much, Julie, for sharing your story and oh, you're so welcome. keep on talking on a regular basis because you're awesome in what you're doing, especially oh, for the, the, younger, the younger crowd because that's really our roots for womanhood. Yes. And see that in, you know, our, our children and in and, and our parenting and in our relationships. And there's such a voice there. So I thank you so much for your work. Thank you for having me. Check out all of Julie's stuff. It'll be in the show notes and, and look at some of her stuff online. Thanks so much, Julie. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you all. Bye-bye, guys. We'll see you next time on Owning Her Health. Thank you for listening into this episode of Owning Her Health with Dr. Lisa Holland, PT. To learn more about her personal and professional development service, visit her online at drlisahollandpt.com.